Hello, world. Welcome back to the Ignited Fortitude podcast with Bobby, Steve, and special guest Lily. This is going to be a, a great podcast. I'm excited. Um, but a little uh, advisory notice here. We've heard from other people that that have listened that some of our podcasts are a little difficult to listen to while driving. I will tell you right now, this is going to be one of those. Yeah. So um, there's going to be some emotion involved in this. Uh, Lily is here today to share with us her family's story of um, dealing with the grief that comes with the loss of a child. And um, we want to make sure everybody knows this isn't like going to be a podcast where we're telling you how to grieve. This is a podcast where she's sharing with us her family's story and the things that they used to process that loss and to get through that grief. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was a, a scripture that came that Lily actually had brought up and, and um, I thought it was perfect. So I want to, before we get started, I just want to read it. Um, it's in second Corinthians chapter one and it's uh, verse three, all praise to God, the father, our Lord Jesus Christ um, of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. Verse four, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. And um, and uh, that's kind of why we asked Lily to come on. We've, you know, uh, Steve shared his story and, and kind of the stuff that happened when um, he experienced the loss of his dad and um, Lily came to mind. Um, so we're going to have Lily share a little bit. Okay. Um, maybe you can go a little bit. How, how long have you been following after the Lord? Um, I have been, I'm 52. And I got saved when I was about 16. And like most kids do, you know, that salvation um, didn't really stick. <laughs> you know, life goes on and you start getting busy and getting excited about your young life and making decisions and choices outside of salvation. But at the end of the day, I was saved. And uh, the Lord brought me back around full circle in service to Him and in relationship with Him. So I've been saved and for a long time. And Truly walking with the Lord um, for less time than I've actually been saved, mm. you know, because going to church doesn't save me and having churchy friends didn't save me. Um, but having a deep and personal walk with God, um, it's been, you know, a couple decades. And so um, you were you were serving the way I know you is you were serving in church, yeah. children's ministry, serving was. Uh -huh. uh, uh, for me. And then... Um, and at the same time, I didn't know that you were that you had a child that was in youth that happened to be um, with Pastor Ryan. So I was helping Pastor Ryan, and yeah. and I get to see all these different kids along the way. And then uh, one one morning, I get a call, and it was from you. Yeah, I uh, rang you up to ask for some some help and some direction. And I think I was you know looking for someone, and it just happened to be a divine appointment that day that you answered the phone. Um, it was the um, day or two after we had received a notice that our daughter had died. And so um, our daughter's name um, is Angelina, and she was 20 when she passed away. 
Um, she was in a car accident on December 30. It was actually December 29 was her car accident. Um, but she died on the 30th. And um, the story for that um, is that she came to see us on the 29th, and we had a beautiful family day, and it was great. And we had, you know, we weren't expecting to see her because we weren't expecting to see her till the 31st of the holidays. Um, so she came on the, the 29th, and she wanted to chit chat. Um, you know, 20 year old, full of life, full of promise, you know, going to get married, looking forward to traveling overseas. Um, and so she had all this news to share with us. And we had, a, like I said, we had a beautiful family night. And then it, it then the divine appointment, you know, that's kind of like my favorite word nowadays. Um, the divine appointment made itself known um, because I had said to her, you know, uh, this person that you are intending to marry, he, um, he doesn't know the Lord. He's not walking with God. He doesn't know the Lord. And and I know that young people, when they get saved, sometimes um, they love Jesus. They love the Lord. And but they also, you know, live their life. And that's kind of what my daughter was doing. And I was not wanting to take her to task, but kind of secretly wanting to take her to task. A little low key, like, hey, what's going on with you and Jesus and what's happening? And I said to her, you know, the only way that he may ever see Jesus or hear the gospel is by you, how you're living, what you're doing. And um, I've been there. I've done that. You know, the whole uh, one step in the world and, and one step in church, and, and it never works out, you know, Angeline. It never works out. Um, God has a plan for each one of us. And until we accept that plan and really work on that relationship with him, really embrace it, uh, that relationship with the Lord, um, you know, our life is always going to kind of be a little topsy-turvy. And I said to her, I said, you know, is that really what you want? Is that how you want to start, you know, your marriage? And a classic case of um, do what I say, but not what I did, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, and so she said, oh, mom, I know Jesus. And it was really kind of flipped the way she said it. And so I, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, I just really felt impressed to pursue that. And any mother out there with daughters, teenage daughters, you know, even some of the young girls, they start young, those little girls, they start around six or eight when they tell you they're not going to wear what you've set out for them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I said, okay, let's not fight. However, I really did feel impressed to press her on that. And I said, Ina, because Ina is her, her nickname. I said, Ina, you know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And she said, Mom, I know Jesus. I belong to him. And we had a pause, and she then said, I know I need to make my life look like that. Like, I know I need to go to church, and, and I need to bring him as well. And she said, you're right, and, and I'm going to do that. And I said, all right. I said, listen, you know, you can ring up Pastor Ryan and, and talk with him. I said, it doesn't have to be this parental unit. It could be anybody. But wherever you go, you know, you are the common denominator. So if Jesus is with you, then then he's with you. So make your life kind of reflect that. And so we talked some more about that, and it was about 8.30-ish. And so I thought, okay, excellent. That divine appointment was amazing. Um, I feel good. You know, as a parent, I felt, okay, good. You know, she's aware. She knows what's going on in her life, and she knows that that's kind of not the path that the Lord has for her. Well, and it's that um, 
it, it's that closure kind of in the sense that you probably a conversation you had been wanting to have with her for a long time. Yes. And we'd had that conversation um, before, the year before. And she said, okay, I'll say the prayer. And because I had said to her, I said, listen, it's really just as simple as believing and praying. It's it's not hard. I said, I know you've done it in church, but your life is going a little sideways, mm-hmm. and 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 um, only a relationship with the Lord is going to is br- going to bring that back um, and put you on the right track. And she, you know, acquiesced and said, "I'll say the prayer." And it was so flip at the time. I really just, I said, "No, it's not about just saying the words." If you're not ready to live that life, if you're not ready to let the Lord help you live that life, then don't say the prayer. And that was a year ago. And so, you know, for two years, this, you know, 2019 being the second, excuse me, 2018 being the second year, um, I've been praying for that girl like a crazy, you know, just really burdened for her. And, and young people make choices sometimes. And those choices, as a parent, it can be hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we ourselves in our youth made choices, you know, we know what we're saying. And so that's why I laugh sometimes when I tell my children, don't do what I did. <laughs> do what I'm telling I, you to do I, now. I, I tell my boys all the time, I paid the dumb tax. Like right. I did it so you don't have to. So there's no excuse. It's a legacy tax. Like nobody has to keep repeating it, right? Yeah. You don't have to, I take no that tuition. away. Yeah, it's not no a tuition. legacy tax is what I mean. Yeah. And so a year prior to that, she wasn't ready to serve God. She wasn't ready to commit. She wasn't even ready to acknowledge. And then on this night, um, you know, December 29, she made that acknowledgement. She said, yeah, mm-hmm. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus, she said. I know him, and he knows me. And so she left the house around 9, and, you know, really felt um, it was just an impression of, like, say something to her. And again, you know, moms with daughters, you know, you'll you'll relate to this. And I didn't want to start a fight. I also didn't want to pressure her and say, okay, now don't forget, you got to read your Bible, you got to go to church, you know. I just didn't want to ruin that beautiful moment. So I just shouted out, you know, hey, love you and let me drive you and fill in the blank with different things. And um, I wanted her to stay. I didn't want her to leave I um, really just felt like, you know, there's more, you know, hang out with us. We need to talk some more. I'm excited about this, you, you know, getting married. We need to talk a little more about that. I'm extra excited about you, what you just said, you know, and I hadn't prayed with her. And and that's what I wanted to do. And I thought I should probably pray with her before she leaves. And so it didn't work out in a way where she stayed. She said, no, mom, I have to go, <laughs> and I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk more, and, and yes, you know, I'll, I'll call up um, Pastor Ryan at church, and, and yes, we'll go to church this weekend, and yes, and, and don't worry. <laughs> and so, you know, my heart was really light. I was really light, and I said, you know, I gave God praise, and I went in and told my husband. I'm like, you know what Ina just said to me? And, you know, I had been praying for her for two years, like— really get this kid, help her get squared away. And um, so I was very happy when she left. Um, We exchanged some messages. um, And then I think it was like 10.49 p.m. was the last time I heard from her. Um, And then at 5.15 the next morning, um, they came and knocked on our door. And um, we put, I opened the door and they asked for my other daughter. And she wasn't there, of course. She was on vacation um, with her dad. And uh, then they asked 
if I was also the mother of Angelina, to which I responded, yes. And, and you know, my first instinct was, oh, goodness, what has she done? This girl just told me last night <laughs> that she's saved and she's going to go to church and she's, you know. Robbed gonna, a bank. And- she, right? And I kept thinking, oh. I'm going to just strangle her. <laughs> what has she done? And because they had asked for her sister first, I thought, I bet she took her sister's car out and probably wrecked it. Oh, man, that girl. And all these thoughts are running through my mind because I'm looking at this one you know, officer on my door. And so he says, um, when I confirm that I'm Angelina's mom, he says, um, um, can we come in? Um, we want to talk with you. And I said, sure, you know, secure my dog, wake up my husband and let him know, hey, there's an officer out there. I said, it's something to do with uh, Ian. I says, um, but they asked for Sophie. So I said, I think Ian did something to Sophie's car. And so my husband, he kind of groaned and he said, oh, dear. And so we got up and when I went back out from the room, you know, I went and brushed my teeth and came back out. There was like four or five law enforcement officers in my family room and um and that's when i knew something really really bad had happened and there was a moment um you know it's really i know people say it and it sounds cliche it's the truth there is a moment where it becomes surreal you see what's happening your brain is processing what's happening because you know they're about to tell you something terrible. And yet there's no feeling. That's what my experience was. Um, they informed me that she had been in her uh, truck and um, had hit a patch of black ice up on the highway up out in Hereford and that she had... The vehicle had uh, hit a guardrail or two or three times and that she'd been ejected and um, that she was gone. And, uh, you know, there was just no emotion. I, I just, I had none. You know, my daughter um, was 20 and she was pretty much seven days from her 21st birthday. So... There was just nothing. It was just nothing for a hot second. And then I just started questioning. I wanted to know everything. I could not get enough information in that moment. Um, were there other cars? Who called 911? What happened? Um, was she alive? Um, was CPR performed? Um, you know, was she in pain? Did she suffer? And I just, I needed to know everything everything. And in that moment, they, they did have some information, but they just did not have a lot. Um, but, you know, it was a multi-agency um, event. Um, the, the highway was closed down for quite a while. And so we had Border Patrol and the sheriff, Cochise County Sheriffs and the Arizona Department of Public Safety. And I believe we had a Sierra Vista Police as well. Um, and, you know, they could not have been more kind. Mm-hmm. The level of kindness and tenderness in all of those men that day was amazing. Um, 
And I was sitting down and I remember looking up and as, you know, referencing back those surreal moments, looking at all these men and they were just tore up. And I thought, they don't even know my girl. Like, they don't even know her. Um, And it wasn't until later that I realized that maybe they were tore up because of me. (laughs) Because they just all looked at me with this intense sadness. And I thought, no, this is not, they're not sad for me. (laughs) Like, they're sad for somebody else. You know, they're maybe sad for for her father or stepfather or our family or, you know, the fact that, or for her, you know, mm-hmm. she's 20. And and all of these things, they just, it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. Um, but that's what was happening. And so um, I thanked them for their time, and they were gracious and kind and and um, gave their condolences. And then out they left, and I went into our bathroom. And I remember I just grabbed the counter, and, and I just I hit the floor. And um, a moment later, my husband said, you know, you need to get up. Except that it wasn't a moment later. It was several hours later. I had been on that floor just howling <laughs> for lack of a better way. And I know that I'm laughing. It's one of a ner- – it's a nervous laugh, okay? <laughs> um, but howling and crying and weeping like like a wounded animal. Um Without breath, you know, without um, thought, there was nothing but pain, mm-hmm. just just pain. And, um, and I remember just there was no thoughts. There was just pain. It was just pain. And I got up and I got cleaned up and I was in the shower and, and I was crying and, you know, and I just told the Lord, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening you know my girl that's my girl and my girl is gone and um as clear as i'm talking today i heard she was not yours to begin with she has always been mine and i thought what Well, this is a crazy moment, you know, and and then I started praying and I said, Lord, forgive me. My daughter is not mine. I was a steward for you. Angelina has always and ever been yours. And now she has been returned to you by, you know, by your allowance, you've allowed this to happen. And I'd like to say that it was at this point I was super spiritual and, uh, and that I really just embraced that and, and uh, you know, was, it was cheerful and, and that my child was secured in heaven. But I wasn't. I really wasn't. I really wasn't. It was hard. It was, um, it was more hard. If there's another adjective for hard, whatever that adjective is, <laughs> that's what it was times 100. <laughs> um, and so we began as a family then um, to walk the grief journey. And um, we started out not moving on that path of grief. People, the Lord sent 
people to us, and they were lovely and amazing and kind. Um, they were thoughtful and giving and prayerful. They were encouraging and uplifting. It was everything that you know we could have wanted, needed, or asked for, and we didn't ask for any of it really. Um, we did ask, you know, one thing, and then, and from the one thing that we asked for, uh, the Lord impressed upon the hearts of many believers and and non-believers, and um, we were just flooded with love. And for anyone who's lost a child, you know, those first those first few weeks, or anyone who's just lost a loved one, but when you lose a child, it is a little different. You know, both of my parents um, are gone and have been gone for a while, um, and I've lost other family members. It is not the same. Yeah. It's not the same pain. This pain, and I've said it to you know you guys before, it's like never being able to catch your breath. Mm-hmm always at the end of wanting to take a big breath but not being able to fully exhale, uh, an exhale of peace, you know, like, you know, everything's cool, we're good. And, and, and that was the last day that ever happened. December 29th was the last day for this mom that I have been able to exhale in peace, but it was the first day that the Lord and I got super connected because where else could I get connected with someone who could understand their child dying? Mm. You, you had some hard things, um, especially because there was there were some things that you were telling us. Um, you know, she was an organ donor, so you guys didn't get mm-hmm. a chance to you, – you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so Angelina was an organ donor, and when they arrived uh, – so Border Patrol was the first ones to get uh, the call. And, um, you know, sometimes when parents lose children, um, depending on how the child has passed – um, there's just a craving um, for knowledge. Like, and, and, and in the same breath, there are also some parents who just don't want any information. It's too painful, and so they don't want to know. I was on that opposite end. I was in that group of parents that I was thirsty for any information about my kid. Like, I want to know Everything and so, the nine one one report. You know, we uh, requested to have that, and the medical, the ME's report, the medical examiner's report, and the accident report, and just information. I just could not get enough information, and I don't know what I was looking for. Um, and to this day, you know, I don't know what I was looking for. I was just looking for information. I, Do you think it's the pieces? Because you know, she left your house at you know close to nine. Mm-hmm. You guys were talking through text message, and then you don't. Hear anything until five? Do you think it's like that? That piece. Of, initially, I just want the closure. Like, what was her time like right before? Yes, initially, that's what it was. Um, and as things began playing out, you know, the timeline got filled in. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they came to after the nine one one call, and they came to render aid to her, um, they called for a helo initially, and then um, when Border Patrol came and answered the call, you know, that helo was canceled immediately. And her status was was changed, but because she was an organ donor, 
you know, that Border Patrol agent, um, who we won't name, but he knows if he ever listens to this, he knows who he is. And he performed life-saving measures for 31 minutes. Wow. To save the organs, To right? To save as many of the functioning organs as possible because she was an organ donor. And so from Bisbee, an ambulance was dispatched and a medic was able to come and then declare her. And by then the... the um, the hearse was already there to collect her. So as an organ donor, the family does not immediately get to see their loved one. So when they came and told us at 515 that she had passed away and, and gave us the information, you know, um, and who the mortuary was, um, I immediately later that day, you know, after the information had, had kind of sunk in a little, I wanted to see her. Um, my just my guts were churning, and I just I wanted to see my girl. And um, when there are organ donors, you know, especially in Cochise, um, the um, the person who's donating, you know, the uh, the person that's passed, um, is sent to Maricopa County, generally, and sometimes to Pima County. So Maricopa was full, so they sent her to Pima. And, you know, the um, mortuary, the funeral home here in town, they were amazing. They were very kind. And they, but they let us know, she's not here. You know, she, well, she was there, but you can't see her because she's going to be en route. We are preparing her to, to be en route um, so that all of the gifts that can be, um, they can be processed for other people, so that process can start happening. And so, um, so you don't get to see your child, you know, and that's your first reaction. That's really what you want. You really just want to see your child because there's a part of your head that has to confirm what you've been told. So cerebrally, you know what you've been told. Your spirit is so grieved as a believer. And the Holy Spirit is comforting you. And you know what you've heard. You know it to be true. There's a part of a parent that needs to see their child. And I just, and I am no different. I I, I needed to see my girl. And um, it wasn't for about five days. And when they brought her back to Cochise, um, her father, her sister, and I, we decided we were going to go see her. Um, they were really clear about the type of contact we could have. Um, and so, you know, um, from the neck down, she was completely covered. And so there was, there was nothing. Um, and that was really hard because I just, I wanted to embrace her. I just wanted to hug her and, and there's a little, you know, piece of your head that's like, no, 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 this is not real. This is just not happening. And and then when you see your child laying there, and then you realize, you know, um, you realize that, that they're gone. And so we had that opportunity to see her, and that was a blessing. And that was a blessing. Um, and that's when, for me, as the mom, it became even more real. 
Um, and, I, and I will say that periodically through our conversation today that it became more real, became more real. And, and the, those watching and listening may be saying, well, well, when was it real? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I will tell you that it is sometimes every day I still have to remind myself that it is real. She is in the presence of God. To be absent from the body. Scripture tells us to be absent from the body for the believer is to be present with the Lord. Um, so I just kept, it was like reaffirming, like, okay, okay, she's not here. She's not here. And so when your loved one is an organ donor, within 24 hours, um, they will ring you up. So the... Um, here it was the Arizona, you know, Organ Donor Association. And again, we could not have been more blessed by the kindness of strangers. The Lord just afforded a, a beautiful outpouring of grace for us. And even in the interview, so there's an interview that takes place about your child or your loved one who's the organ donor, and there's hard questions in there, and real hard questions. And this is within 24 hours of you knowing that, you know, there's no more hugs. There's no more phone calls. You know, uh, that future that you had in mind for your child is no longer. It's a different future for them because now they're with the Lord. And so it's a very challenging and painful process for those uh, loved ones of organ donors. Now, the o Organ Donor Association, they are amazing. And the gifts that family members give to others is amazing. And, and so I support it wholeheartedly. I don't want anyone to think that I'm in any way not supportive of that. It's just um, we weren't prepared. Mm -hmm. There was there's no manual. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know she was an organ donor. Uh, and so there's, you know, no concierge of death that says this is what happens next in this process. And this is what's going to happen next. And so there isn't any of that. It's the deep end of the coldest, iciest water. And you're just paddling. And, um, and that's where we were. And that's where the Lord met us. And the Lord met us there because we reached out, because we said, what do we do? Because I said, what do I do? How do I do it? How long do we do this? And what's it supposed to look like? What, um, so what did it look like? What well, were some things that you did? It looked like exile. Grief looks like exile. It feels like exile. It's one of the few emotions where you can be completely and utterly surrounded by people. No matter how lovely and amazing they are, and be completely alone. Your pain is uniquely yours in those moments. Um, and, you know, choices choices sometimes have to be made during this immediate grief process um or not made there's there's no if i've learned nothing i've learned this <laughs> um grief looks different on everyone 
because everyone is going through it differently. Now, I also will say, in conjunction with that, is that I'm not a victim or a martyr, and every parent who's lost a child is neither a victim nor a martyr, because death happens. Mm -hmm. And um, when it comes to our children, when death comes to our children and they leave us, it is so unnatural from a societal t- a societal perspective. It is so unnatural um, that there's no name for it. You know, when you lose a, when a, a husband loses his wife, he's a widower. When a, a wife loses her husband, she's a widow. When children lose their parents, they are orphans. Mm-hmm. But when a parent loses a child, there's just no name. There's no title. Um, because it's so unnatural and because it's so painful that no one knows what to call it. We have no name for it. And so parents, you know, when we lose our kids, um, it's a lonely place. It's, it's exile. You know, folks want to be, and they are many times, comforting and helpful. Um, and we talked about this, you know, um, No parent wants to think about losing their kid. No parent wants to think about losing their child, no matter what age that child is. No parent wants to even think about it. So when it happens to someone they know or someone that they are acquainted with, there's a gut response, um, which is... And, and it comes out in, in you know, different um, phrases. So the phraseology for people is, I don't know how you're doing it. I could never do that. I could never survive. It would kill me. Um, I can't believe you're going through it. Um, how will you recover? It's your new normal, and so on and so forth. And it's an attempt for them, psychologically, I think, to to wrap their mind around it, like, wow, how could I ever go through that? I could never go through that. Well, the truth is you can. Mm -hmm. You can go through it. Um, You know, exile, and I wrote this down. It's actually not my quote. Um, Exile can have a long shelf life. Grief can have a very long shelf life, okay? But it does have an expiration date. Mm -hmm. What that expiration date is for each person, I do not know. What it is for me um, and our family, I do not know. And there may be some parents who say, well, there is no expiration date for grief. And that's also true. That's how muddy the waters of parental grief is when you lose a child. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just mud. <laughs> and you're walking through it trying to, trying to get as unmuddy as possible. Um, And that's where I think for the believer, you know, for us as believers, we had a choice that we believed we needed to make with our feelings, you know, with our emotions, with our grief. Um, And I wrote it down if I can just, I wrote, we are not at the mercy of our emotions. We have choices on what we can do with our feelings. Because my pain isn't worse than another person's pain. So a person who's lost a son or a daughter, their pain 
your pain, parent, is not worse than mine. And when we're suffering so badly, that is our f- one of the first things that we do is we try to compare pain. Because yeah. we want people to understand. We want people to understand our pain. We want them to maybe comfort us or just understand it. And here's the deal. Unless they've lost a child, they're not going to understand me. Mm-hmm. They're not. And I don't want them to. The, yeah, and do, do you yeah. think that people, um, you know, like we talked about, you know, like what are some of the things that like you had a hard time hearing from people? Because people don't know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And sometimes, um, you know, we have some, uh, unfortunately, we have youth kids that ended up uh, losing their dad this year. And, uh, you know, I was just talking to them and and uh, and uh, they were having a hard time. Because they're like, there's so many people here. Like, I don't know these people. They're here and they want to be here. And, you know, they don't even know what they're, you know, and they were getting kind of frustrated. And I told them, like, hey, you know what? Like, you know, it, it people are going to say stupid things. Yeah. And they're going to say dumb things because they just don't know what to say. That's you know? exactly you know what right. I mean? And it's like the, the book of Job is full of, you know, jo- Job's um, so-called comforters, right? Because they're mm-hmm. trying to, like, I, you know, I remember you called me, right? Not yep. too long afterwards. And then um, you asked me to go and see the boys. I did. You know? And so I went to go see the boys. And it's like, I have no... And I, and I wasn't going in there like, okay, um, yeah. this is what I'm going to say. And it's like, I'm just going to be here. And if they want to talk about anything, then then great. Because I didn't want to say something. Because you have no... Especially children. Like, I mean, although, you know, you know you're going through something. Your, your husband was going through something. And the boys are going through. And each one of you are going at a different level. You know, yeah. and I think um, just in the sense of what you're saying with with other people, it's like when they don't know what to say, they're going to say anything they can. And now you have to filter that out. Yeah. And and now you're hurt. You're. It's almost like you're taking away my pain. And that's kind of what happened with the kids where it was like this person's talking to me about, you know, an aunt or, you know, an uncle they lost. And it's like, like, I get it. But, you know, we lost our dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think for you, you did you come with people that tried to like, my I dog did. died. I know where you're going. Yes. Through, but you're like, are you serious? <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> my dog is like a child. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're going through because my I had to yes. put my dog down last week. And... My husband had someone say that to him um, about their pet. And there was a correlation, I believe. <laughs> and he was so upset. And I'm laughing not because it's funny, but it kind of is a little bit funny, you know. Um, one of the things that um, I had someone say to me, which was just interesting, uh, um, was that, but you have two daughters, mm. so at least you still have one left. I only had one son, and now he's gone. And she was an older woman, you know, in her 80s, Um So, you know, culturally, it's different. Um, I was not offended, okay? I was not offended because her grief was still as real as she shared with me that loss as mine was. And in her grief, her pain, she wanted me to know that her son is gone and there's no replacement. And somehow she rationalized that because I had two daughters and only one had passed away, 
that I really needed to be more grateful than I was. And so that might be one of the most (laughs) interesting comments that I heard um, when it first happened. And like I said, I wasn't angry. I was was taken aback. I thought, okay. And through this entire process, because grief is a process, you know, I've heard people say that um, grief is, there's recovery time, you have to recover from grief, and that time will heal everything. And um, from my perspective, and my experience, and I'm sure people may disagree with me, I'm going to say no, time doesn't heal anything. You and I discussed it earlier. Time doesn't heal. What heals is what you do with that time. And as a grieving parent, sometimes we vacillate back and forth. We allow God, we invite him first and foremost, we invite him to come in and help us with the pain. Or we don't because we're still so angry. There's a lot of parents that are just angry at God. And they are not in a place to hear that God is good. And yet God is good. My Bible tells me God is good all day, every day. He's never changed and neither does the word. And so there's nearly, what, 7,000 or 6,000 promises in the Bible? Um, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I began to do. Um, people were praying for me. I have a, an aunt who, you know, my Nana Francis, and she just prayed, and people were praying, and the power of God was in our life drawing us to him. Is that to say that our grieving was textbook Christian. No, that's a fallacy. There is no such thing. Mm-hmm. No such thing. Well, the only thing that he does tell us, right? Mm-hmm. And Paul tells us in Thessalonians, right, where it says, um, let me see where it is, where he tells us, you know, we when we grieve, he says, um, I can't find it right now, but he, okay. he says that that when you do grieve, Right, we don't grieve as the world. That's right. Right, because so, we have the hope. Yeah, and and he and he doesn't say Christ. and he doesn't say don't grieve, and that's the important thing. Right? That's exactly he, he right. He does not say not to grieve. He says that we are going to grieve, but in our in the process in which we are grieving, that we shouldn't have it in a place where we don't have hope. And I think going back to what you just said, where it's like, no, God is good. Period. You know, yeah. um, I had, uh, I had Pastor Ryan had told me this story. I think it was him that he had. Uh, Heard he either heard it or read it, and it was a, a, a pastor who was, and I think we talked about it on the podcast too. There, it was a pastor, and he was, you know, at a barbecue or a party, and and his little boy ended up uh, going into the pool, and and they were able to, you know, uh, give him mouth to mouth, get him out, resuscitate him, and he's fine. The 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 kid made it out okay, mm-hmm. and the pastor's driving, and he can see the the child in his rearview mirror as they're driving home, and he's, so you know. Um, you know, God, you're so good. You're so good. And then he just felt in that sense at that same time, like God was saying, but what if I would have chosen to taking him to take him? Would I still have been good? Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, like you said, sometimes people get mad at God because of things that have happened because they didn't turn out the way that, that they wanted. And I think, you know, and it's unfortunate, like, you know, life is hard. (laughs) Life is hard. Life is messy. It's full of ups and downs. And I think, but at the end of the day, you know, the question is, is what is most important in your life? You know, and, and we think about, you know, Abraham taking Isaac and taking to go sacrifice him, 
You know what I mean? And think about it, like, man, this is the promise that you gave me. Like I've spent all these years, you tell me to leave and and here we go. And, but seeing his faithfulness to the Lord, like, I don't understand what you're asking of me, but I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not focused on the blessing that you gave me. I'm focused on you because you're the one who has blessed me. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think in these situations, it, it, it's really like, uh, not a deal breaker, but in a sense, like it's like an equalizer where it's like, what do you want? What do you want most? Do you want me or do you just want the things that I can bring you? And it's interesting that you said um, the focus is on him and not on us because grief is incredibly personal. And with all things personal, it deals with self, you know. And in our grief, we can be selfish and People will say, you can't tell me how to grieve. I can grieve however I want. And you're right. You can. I can grieve however I want for the loss of my child. Is that what God wants from me? Mm -hmm. Does he want me to stay in that place of mourning? You know, there's a very common scripture, if I can read it. It's Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And everybody quotes that. I got cards with that all over the place. But I would like to read 19, 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Mm. The Lord delivers us out of our afflictions. He mourns with us because he loves us. So when we lose our children or when we lose a child, one, for the believer, and if my child is a believer, my child's not lost. So one of the things that, you know, my husband and I talked about and argued, because grief is incredibly stressful. The grief, the loss of a child is stressful. And um, we are a blended family. And so, you know, we would discuss things and sometimes argue. And, you know, my husband's very logical. He's extremely intelligent. Um, and so he would come to the table, you know, with um, the best plan or the best path that he could see for me because he could see the emotions kind of spiraling out of control. He could see that, hey, <laughs> this is going to go in a ditch real quick, um, but still wanting to be helpful, but not necessarily knowing how. And he is also grieving. You know, Angelina's dad Deeply grieving is so, uh, excuse me, shouldn't have said a name. <laughs> My other daughter, deeply grieving. And because each person who has that loss is deeply grieving, grief becomes deeply personal. Um, we cannot be healed until we embrace that pain. We just can't. Sometimes healing requires the pain. God allows that. Okay. Um, for our situation or for me, God's like, listen, he's with me. He's with me in the grief. The, the scripture tells me he's with me, that he helps me in the grieving process because he never leaves me. You know, um, I used to never understand that scripture where he says, hey, you know, my burden is light. My yoke, you know, it's easy. <laughs> I remember thinking, is that a mistake? <laughs> Is that one of those scriptural mistakes? <laughs> I'm like, no, the Bible's in devil. There are no mistakes. Mm. And the the yoke of the Lord is lighter than my own. Yeah. 
And he didn't put me here to walk through this alone. And this death that happened in our family, you know, he made that decision based on his knowledge of what was going on with my child. I'm a steward. As a parent, I'm a steward. I've been given these children. Um, they don't belong to me. They belong to the Lord, just like I do. So, you know, I believe that my grieving will end. I believe there's an end to it. And that end may be, you know, when I'm in the presence mm-hmm. of the Lord. Yeah, it will. It will because it, and it tells us, because yep. it, it will end. There's your expiration date, yep. because it, there will be no more... Tears, there's no more hurt, there's no more, and that's when it'll happen. You know, you bring up that scripture of, of, you know, take my yoke uh, upon you. Mm -hmm. And I heard heard one person describing it where it's like, you know, the yoke, it was was a yoke where it was two oxen, right? It would have been two two oxen. And when he's saying, take my yoke, it's not like, here, I'm giving this and you're going to take it. It's like, no, 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 take my yoke because you're in it with me and I'm going to be the one that's leading you through it. Yeah, and... Because, like I said, you know, um, grief is, it's personal, and people are private. We don't invite others in Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be told how to be sad. We're already sad. We're already broken. We don't want someone to tell us how to do it. Well, I think also, too, sometimes you don't want to be let down. Mm. You know what I mean? I know... um, you know, one of our kids attempted suicide, and uh, and I remember the struggle with starting to tell some people, and then your your expectation is you're hoping that people are going to come in and embrace you. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're thinking, like, I'm hurting, and I need the help of others to come along, and we didn't get that, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that, um, it's an eye-opener, but... And you can get bitter over those things, right? Yeah, like you can. You can, you can definitely get bitter over those things, or you can think... And 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 reflect and say, you know what, I'm. I know what this. Guess what? The other people they didn't know what that felt like, but I know what that felt felt like. And going back to that scripture that we opened yeah. up with, and because I know what that felt like, when other people go through that, I can be there in in that void because I know what that void's gonna feel like. So, and that's what you're doing through that whole process where it's like, you know, I'm responsible. Like God has has put me in this situation, and I have to. I'm carrying it through. Right. And how am I going to honor you in this situation? And sometimes we can get to a place where it's like, because, and you said it, right? Hurt people hurt people. And so, because I'm carrying this hurt and you come at me in a certain way that I don't feel is appropriate and I start lashing out on you, I'm not doing any good on that. You know what I mean? I can only control my emotions in the sense of what I do with them. That's exactly right. And I have hurt other people Mm -hmm. in my hurt. Um, I have you know, disappointed other people birthed out of my disappointment. And we could fill out a Mad Libs (laughs) with all these (laughs) negative adjectives and adverbs um, based on operating out of pain. And there comes a point, um, or there came a point for me where I said, you know, Lord, I'm seeing other people who've lost children, and I'm seeing some things that I think are super admirable. And help me to grow in that, in that way. Help me to take this pain and this grief and use it for your glory, if that can be said, if that can be done. 
And then I've, I've you know, read accounts and, and um, done research and read books of parents who've lost kids. And I think, please don't let me do that. Please keep my pain from destroying me because in my own thinking, in my own, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but in my own process, um, this pain, this loss of losing Angelina, you know, I fear that it will destroy me. Mm -hmm. I fear that it will so fundamentally change me that no one will recognize me and that I won't recognize myself. And even worse still, that I won't care that I have been fundamentally changed by this pain. And, you know, I have a good partner, my husband, and encourages me and did encourage me at, at um, a couple years after our daughter had died, he had come along and he said, listen, he said, grief can be selfish and you can just stay that way or you can take that grief and look out and start serving other people and start doing something for other people and let God use you for other people. Let God use us for other people's pain so they can see that it is possible. Um, you know, we talked about recovery, and I said, I don't want to recover. I want to be renewed. Mm -hmm. um, because I do want to, I am fundamentally being changed from the core, but it's with God. It's with the Spirit of the Lord. Um, you were, I have a scripture here. It was Romans 12, 15. Hold on. Let me get back to that thought. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So serving others, getting out of my pain, stepping outside of it like a coat, you know, stepping outside of it and, and saying, okay, God, I'm available for a divine appointment today. How can I let people know that you are good? My child is not here, but I have three other children. You know, I, the I, death of a person, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. When a person dies, um, their book is closed in this world. Yeah. Okay, so my child's book, Angelina's book is done. It's, it's like my Bible here. It's got a clasp. It's all done. But my book isn't. And, and the book of my other three children isn't, and my husband's book isn't, and Angelina's dad and her grandparents and her cousin and, and her uncle, everybody's book is still open. The living are still living. They still need Jesus. They still need God. They still need the light. And we are that light. And grief can sidetrack us. It can, it can bring shadow. It can bring darkness. And if, if the enemy, if, if the, the devil, Satan, the enemy can keep us preoccupied, then we are ineffectual. And if we are ineffectual, then people who are leaving this world, who aren't ready to leave this world, aren't going to get that light. No. They aren't going to get that God is good message because God is good in the face of everything. God is still good. He never changes. I think um, one of the things you said that really caught my attention, and you you talked about it before we started. You were talking about serving others, mm -hmm. and but when we first talked, the one of the biggest parts that stuck with me before we started recording was 
identifying that you needed to be there for your other children. Yes. And how that looked. And um, I'd like you to share that because I think that is something that we can, that's easy for us to do is just because we already know that everybody in our, our family is hurting, it's easy to go outside of that. And, um, but you, you were very specific in what you said, and I want you to share like how that, how that, what you were cautious about, Mm -hmm. um, and, and how you wanted to be there for them. Okay. Um, so instinctually, I just wanted to curl into a ball and get into my bed and eat a tub of ice cream and just never leave it, get out of my pajamas. I mean, it's cliche. But it's true. And then some days I just wanted to beat the living heck out of anything. I'm just jonesing for a fight. Mm -hmm. I mean, breathe a little heavy next to me and we're duking it out. (laughs) Because the grief of losing your child is so raw. You know, I said earlier, there's no words. I mean, I really do lack – somebody's going to send me a thesaurus watch. (laughs) I really do, you know, lack a way to express how painful it is. And those who are watching who've lost a child, you know exactly. Your heart knows. You know what I'm saying. You know, that pain is just – ugh. You can't catch your breath. So – While I wanted to do all the things that would make me feel momentarily better, momentarily, because it's it's not a long-term, you know, remedy, momentarily better, um, I had to remember that there are three living children and being careful not to enshrine the memory of Angelina to such an extent that the three living children could never compete with their dead sibling. It's a huge burden for those that are still living, the siblings. You're never going to compete with the one who's passed, who has your parents' attention and affection and sadness and energy and time and effort. And everything's wrapped into the one that's left this world, whereas the one that's, the ones that are still here are getting nothing. Yeah. And it's selfish. And I know that some parents are going to say, well, too bad. I'm suffering. My child is gone. And you're right. Your child is gone. So is mine. And I felt exactly that same way. And sometimes I do still feel that way. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit in his wisdom reminds me. And he's given me a partner, and my husband will remind me, we have three living kids. They're still living, and so are you. And the time that you have is for them, is for me, is for you. It's for the living. Mm-hmm. There is nothing I can do for Angelina. Um, there's guilt sometimes because moving forward – does not necessarily mean that we are leaving her behind. And for parents sometimes who've lost a child, that's what we feel. We truly feel that if we celebrate this holiday or if we laugh or we make a joke or we really enjoy something in the moment, there's a guilt that's associated with that because we've left our child behind. Well, we haven't left our child behind. She's not behind me. Mm -hmm. She's not there. Because she's in the presence of the Lord. 
And so moving forward can be a challenge because we're constantly not wanting to leave the time and space of when our child was with us. Everything from that moment is before Angelina or after Angelina. And for the parent who's lost a child, they know exactly what I'm talking about. It is before your child passed and after your child passed. And that's how we begin cataloging events in our life, you know. Um, and it's not fair to the siblings or the children that are still alive. How can they compete with that? Yeah. They can't. And they're hurting just as badly as, you know, maybe you are on some days, maybe not as badly as a parent is all the time, but there are some days where the pain in the siblings' eyes or the pain in the absence, because it changes um, the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so in prayer, you know, after getting some advice from my husband, and I had to go in prayer and say, okay, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but this is so not what I want to do. I do not want my three living children to have to compete with my one that's passed away, yeah. you know? And so I started finding humor and making just morbid jokes, super inappropriate, <laughs> which I will not say here because I do not want to offend anyone. But I had to find humor as a way to bridge the gap with my kids. So yes, my kids now have morbid humor, morbid humor, <laughs> um, as a way to say you are just as important to me. What do you want to do today? I don't want to get up. I want to cry. I want to scream. I want to shout my child's name. I want to stand and just shout her name so no one ever forgets it. Well, I also want my other three children. I want to shout their names too. Look what you're doing. Look what you're doing for God. Look what you've done today. Look at these amazing things. Look how awesome you are. Yeah. Look how fabulous you are. I'm blessed to be your mother. I'm a steward of my children. And when I came to accept that my children are not mine, it was a little bit of a salve for my heart. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment in the shower when, when I re really believed the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And he, and, you know, and he said, you know, she has always been mine. She's never been yours. Mm -hmm. She's always been mine. So for us... We made a decision early on that we were going to allow God to work in our family and to work in our life. Some days it looked pretty good. Many, many days it did not. Mm -hmm. Many days it did not look good. Um, and because grief is messy and it can be ugly. Um, the one thing that we still struggle with as a family um, as parents, is to not allow grief to remain selfish. So when I'm having a grief moment or two or a week <laughs> or two weeks, and um, and the tendency is to to fight and say, you don't understand, well, why would they not understand? Their loss is also a loss. It's mm -hmm. just different. Yeah. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just different. So... It's resisting the urge to keep looking in. It's resisting the urge to pick up a victim badge and say, oh, 
I'm an angel parent, my child has passed. It's resisting the urge to put on the coat of martyrdom so everybody knows that my child has passed and, oh, woe is me, because none of that is in the scripture. None of it. It says God is good. It says he will walk with you. It says he grieves with you. It says uh, Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, you know, you're never going to be alone. Mm -hmm. Every valley, he's going to be right there with you. He's going to be picking you up because he loves us. It says, my book says here, that he gave his son. He's a technically, he's an angel parent. Yahweh has lost his son and got him back. My daughter is lost to me in this world, but I will be reunited with her as a sister in the Lord on that day mm -hmm. when that time comes. So grief is just, it's a huge ball of yarn that's all twisted and turned. And from the, on, the outset, you say, oh, well, that's, you know, there you go, looking pretty good. Um, but when you get a little closer, you start seeing that ball of yarn's got twists and turns and knots and everything else, and it's not looking very pretty. And so God knows grief, and he didn't cause it to happen to me. Mm -hmm. He didn't punish me. I am not punished. Our family is not punished. Death happens, and God is there in that. God is there in grieving. God is there in sadness. God is there in disappointments. God is there in frustrations. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us as believers. God is good. And we can be healed if we want the Lord to heal us. Do you, um, you know, during the times that it's, that it's difficult, do you go back to that night and just thinking like, in a sense, feeling like that sense of peace that the Lord gave you that divine appointment with him? With your daughter. You I do. Know what I, mean? I do. I look at that as a gift because I know that there are some parents who've lost their children and did not know for were. certain where their relationship with the Lord is. And that's that's a hard that's a hard pill. Um, is God still with them in that? Can God still be there with them to heal them through that? Absolutely. Absolutely. God's word never changes. You know, we take our thoughts and um all the thoughts that we have when our kids pass. You know, there's a kajillion thoughts that go through your mind. And sometimes because of the grief, because of the sadness and the pain, those thoughts that we're having, we turn them into statements. And then we start speaking them and we've given them life. And they're just not true. No. They're not true at all. Mm -hmm. So instead of going to the Lord in prayer with these questions— we turn them into statements and we've determined that, you know, we're being punished, that God doesn't love us, that he's not good, and look what he's done to us, and so on and so forth. Instead of going to the Lord in prayer and saying, why? What do I need to learn from this? How can you be blessed? How can I honor the memory of the child that you gave to me? What can I be doing? And those are the lines of questions that I take to the Lord, you know, like daily, um, like daily. And I say, what divine appointment do I have today? Is there somebody that I need to make something right with? Is there someone that needs to hear how good you are and to see that through all of this pain and this loss and this suffering that I can smile, that my family can laugh, that we can honor the memory of Angelina and give you glory? Yeah, give you glory. That's, I mean, that ultimately right. Yep. 
so taking questions that, that immediately every grieving parent has, there's like a laundry list of questions. Um, and people who are whose children have been gone a lot longer than mine and who are better equipped probably to have you know, this kind of conversation. But, you know, those long, long, long list of questions that come from the gut. I mean, just primal things that we start shouting out at the Lord. I needed to stop making those statements of fact because they weren't facts and evidence. It was my emotions. It was my grief. It was my anger. It was my, my pain. And so I had to stop that, and I had to take that to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to shout at you. What do you want me to do with this? You know, and, and open up God's word and say, what does the word tell me? What do I do with this grief? What do I do with this pain? How do I serve you? How do I give you honor and glory? How do I let people know that you're good? And more importantly, how do I remind myself that you're good? Because God is good, and he loves me, and he loves my family. And he loved my child so much that he took her home. And um, it, it doesn't mean that we're not sad because I, sadness and hope can reside in the same place. Grief and hope can reside in the same place if we wanted to. If we wanted to. Some, sometimes, you know, everybody's ready at a different place. But, you know, we have control of our emotions. To say that we don't, is a culture, a lie of the culture. We do have control um, because we have the Word of God, because we have the Holy Spirit. Without that, then no, <laughs> we probably don't have control. Um, you know, I can compare it from the time when I was backslidden to the time now. Did I have control? I don't know. I never even tried to have control. Mm -hmm. But now as a Christian, as a Bible-believing born again, Holy Spirit-filled Christian, I do have control of those emotions because I can go to the Lord in prayer and say, here's what I'm feeling. And well, it's a big mess of ugly. Well, and that's what you said. You know, you had said that your emotions would ambush you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, yep. and how are you in a, how are you going to defend yourself against? I mean, we're going through the armor of God. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, how are you going to defend against those? And all they are is emotions and, and thoughts, right? And they're false. They're, they're, they, they're going to lie to you. And if you believe those things and saying, you know, God's punishing me or God's, it, it's those small little steps that are going to get you off track, you know, and, um, you know, how do you, how do you combat it? It's got to be with his truth because where else are you going to go? Well, lots of people go different places. Yeah. Right. Well, you mentioned yep. when we first uh, talked about doing this podcast, you mentioned different camps. Right, mm -hmm. you mentioned, and then you've mentioned. I know I've heard too right now the the martyr camp and the victim camp, um, and you that people get stuck in those, right? And yeah. um, they get comfortable with being the victim or being the martyr, and they expect others to treat them a certain way because of that. And one of the things you told us when we had that first conversation was that you recognize that you didn't want to be a part of one of those camps. And, That's correct. Um, and how – is it just the two camps? I can't remember. Well, if you know, I haven't um, – I think it depends on, you know, parents who've lost kids. You know, uh, this is just based on reading and stuff, so we don't want to throw anybody under, like, the proverbial bus. Um, each parent's reaction, each parent's grief is uniquely theirs. And – like anything in life, any trauma, because 
child loss is traumatic. It is. It ranks right up there. Like it's. I would for me, it's number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some actuary table that tells you, you know, where it is. Um, but I think there's a third camp that I have seen, and that's kind of like um, I don't want uh, like a bully, like just angry, just mean, just unhappy, bitter. The bitter camp. There we go. Right. Um, that parent has rejected um, comfort, has rejected healing, has rejected the Lord because they're so angry. And I think that for myself, I went through that in the beginning very briefly, but I still did it. I think that there are cycles that we cycle through in grief. And depending on our previous experience, the kind of person that we are and where we are in our relationship with the Lord and our willingness to be put by the Lord in a specific relationship with him. And by that, I mean allowing the Lord to say, okay, I'm here with you. You're accepting me. I accept you. Let me heal you. Some people want a relationship with the Lord or have one, but it's really all on their terms. Okay. So, um, I don't know if I'm making much sense here, but as you go through these cycles, um, some people get stuck and they get stuck in the victim camp because they're just not ready. They can't find the strength. They don't want to find the strength. They're struggling to find the strength. The pain is just too much. It's overwhelming. So they stay there, however long they stay there. Some people cycle through that one and they go into, you know, a martyr camp and it's a self-fulfilling uh, camp because you feel good. Look what I did. You know, I did this in honor of my child because I have a dead child. Mm. I'm part of the dead child club. You know, <laughs> sorry, that was morbid. <laughs> um, um, and so they become a martyr. and They want everyone to know about their pain, but they're not willing to do anything further. So they're one step here. And then you have kind of, you know, like the bullies. And I, because my personality is such that I'm super assertive and, and, and aggressive sometimes, I found myself kind of stuck here sometimes. Hurt people hurt people. Mm. Bitter people are mean. When we're bitter, we're mean. And completely opposite of the Lord. And so serving God, yes. Relationship with God, yes. Letting God determine where our relationship is, no, me telling God, I serve you, I'm saved, and you know I'm saved, and I have a relationship with you, but I'm not going to let you yeah. bring me, yes, I'm not going to let you bring me to, the, to the, the place of the cross that has the healing. I'm not going to let you really in. I'm going to kind of leave you right there. And so for me, of those three camps for parent loss, I found myself gravitating here because it's demonstrative, its reactions are immediate. And I really just wanted people to be in as much pain as I was in. And so I had to stop myself real quick. I wasn't there very long. Um, and periodically, sometimes I'm, I, sure. you know, I'm like looking for directions back there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and the Lord is so kind and so gracious in his word to remind me, this is not where you need to be. And I don't need to be a martyr. And I don't need to be a victim because I'm not. And I don't need to be a, you know, a turd, you know, big poop. What I need to do is be right next to my Savior. Vulnerable, broken, and and available. Because God has never left me. 
I'm the one who made myself not available. And in, in sadness and in pain, we reject the one who can heal us because we blame the one for our pain. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And you had actually brought it up. You had said, you know, when, when you decide to handle it in those different ways, yeah. right, regardless of it is that's your that's what your comfort is that's what your coping is so whether it's what well, it was me or it's i'm gonna don't talk to me that way because i'm gonna get and you don't understand yeah. you know what i mean either way what you're trying to do you're trying to find your healing yeah. in that manner instead of going it to the lord and, and saying like you got to be the only one that can heal me through this because if, if i do it, it it's going to tear other people down that's exactly right it, it it goes and there's another camp that's the um the smart camp the cerebral camp those who don't want to feel it but acknowledge it and say they understand their loss and uh, are very practical and very logical um but they don't want to marry any of that feeling because that brings the pain. So there's another camp. And I'm sure there's other camps. I mean, every parent's grief is different because every loss is different. The only thing that unifies all parents who've lost children is that our children are not with us anymore. And so I'm sure that there are other camps along the road of grief. Uh, Angelina's been, you know, not with us for three years. So I'm still new here. Talking to parents who have um, lost children and have been on this journey a lot longer than we are, you know, I'm sure that they would be able to recognize many more things. And so um, it's been helpful to talk to some people who have lost their kids. And I see and I'm encouraged and I'm like, okay, this is what God says. And they're believers. And so they lead me down and remind me that there's light, like get out of here and get back on the road and let's let's make this journey. Let's make this journey happen. Um, what was I going to say to you? I forgot. <laughs> We're getting all deep in the fields <laughs> and I forget. Well, you know, I was going to say when you had said one thing about, about um, when we don't, when we, when we try to be in the place of bitterness, right? Yes. Um, thinking of Job. Right. I yeah. think a lot, a lot of times, like we look at Job's wife where she's super mad and curse God and die because of everything that's going on. And we can look at that yes. and be like, but man, yes. like sometimes we forget she lost her kids. All of them. You know what I mean? She lost All her kids them. just like Job did too. You know what I mean? I had, yeah, I had a, a, a pity me moment, like a poor me moment. Well, I've had many, but this is what I'm going to share with you. And I was like, you know, Lord, yeah, this has happened and this has happened and this person died and this person died and, and this person is sick in my life and, and, and my daughter is dead, you know, I'm like, like Job. And then I immediately, I lit like a breath. I was like, nope, because Job was righteous and I am not. And I went, well, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that reminder, Lord. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to slam me with today from the word? <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, but you know, and, and again, even going through Job's, because I mean, Job was, although he was righteous, he wasn't perfect. No, he was not. You know, and here's the thing. You know, I'm glad, you, and I, and I don't mean to take away from what you were talking about with Job, but I did have that moment too, where I started feeling like like I was having a Job moment, and I was like, but Job was righteous, and I was not, and then I'm like. Okay, but he suffered, and I'm suffering. Yeah. And that's what, and I think if anything, that's what to look to. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you know, like Job. You know, I'm I'm having a Job moment. Okay, then what did Job do? What did he do? 
You know what I mean? And and even through through as you read that whole portion of scripture, he didn't take his eyes off the Lord. No, he didn't. He he brought his complaints to him. He still was, you know, he was still in prayer. He was still in communication with him. Yeah. And and you know, there's that beautiful part at the end of it where it's like, man, I I I knew about you, but now I've seen you. It's something along those mm-hmm. lines. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, and you know what he, you know what it took for Job to actually get to the point where he had that period where it's like, man, God, I've seen you. I've seen your goodness. It was through that pain. It was through it was the through pain. that suffering. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring out because um, when we do have our Job moments, and as a grieving parent, I have a lot of Job moments, it goes back to the, the questions. You know, Job questioned God. Mm-hmm. Remember when God was like, hello, were you there when I made the Leviathan? No, that would be a big no, right? I know what I'm doing yeah. because I love you. I know what I'm doing. And so... When I have those Job moments, I go to the Lord in prayer and I say, here it is. Here's how I'm feeling today. Yeah. I need you to do something. And sometimes, um, like when I'm sitting out there in the morning, sometimes it's just crying. It really is. It's just it's just crying. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's nothing. I have nothing. And for anyone who knows me, like I have no words, you know, that's rare. Um, <laughs> I just pray and I tell the Lord, I'm just, I'm just sad today. Having a bad Ina day, and I need you to do something. And inevitably, every prayer is answered in some way, shape, form, or fashion. The silver lining is, you know, we talked about that. Um, so, in darkness, you know, any little teeny bit of light makes the darkness go away. Mm-hmm. And so, I every morning when when I'm having my time with the Lord, I'm like, I need a silver lining today. And a memory will come up. Um, something beautiful will happen. Something funny. And I am reminded that nothing is too small for God. No. So as nothing is too large, like your grief, you know, grieving parent, your grief, while unique to you in this moment, is not unique to God. Jesus sees you. Yeah. And he wants to heal you. He wants to walk with you as you are healing. Um, but we have to let him in. You know, we, when we have those Job moments, we have to let him in because we cannot be healed independent of him. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, he was tells us, you know, we don't, we, ha- we have a God that has suffered with us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And he has been there with us through, through you name it. And he can sympathize with us. He can comfort us. And, you know, it, you. what are you going to tell God? You have no idea what this feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've told him that. You know? You know, and not, and not so many words. I've been like, okay, you gave your son. You knew you were going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, he chose to do this. Fill in the blank with all kinds of arguments, you know. I'm surprised I didn't get struck down. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm talking about with questions and statements. You know, like, don't make your pain. Don't. You know, try hard not to let those become statements um, in your heart. Like, don't write them on your heart. Um, Because during this time, our heart is so raw. Our children are not with us, and there's nothing worse than that in that moment. So the only thing is the salve of God's Word, is the healing of the Holy Spirit, is the presence of God. So, you know... If you're you're scribbling on your heart with all these terrible things, stop it. Stop it. Reach out. Call someone. Let's pray for you. 
because prayer brings healing and healing is the only thing that's going to start working on those scars on our hearts because the loss of a child is the deepest scar. I don't know of any other pain. I couldn't imagine. I really don't. Um, so let me read this real quick. This is something that I read probably weekly. I don't want to say every day because then, you know, that wouldn't be true. But every week, at least, you know, Psalms 31, 9. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief and my soul and my body also. And I pray this sometimes, and when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, I'm so sad, so sad. I just wanna, just wanna moan and groan and just, just let the ache out, you know? And, and the Holy Spirit is there, and the Lord meets me in his word, and he reminds me, he reminds me, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be better than okay because I am with you and I do not change and I love you and so with sharing Angelina's story I don't share it with everybody that you know I have a daughter that has passed away I don't um, the Lord sets up these divine appointments you know people are brought into my life and often I'm blessed to be brought into other people's lives. And I bring that home and my husband and I talk about it. And when our boys say something or it comes in conversation or our daughter, you know, as siblings, we're able to share that information that we've gathered from another parent. Um, and so I think, how can I let people know that losing a child, while it is the most terrible thing, it really is so terrible that you can you can live through it, you can get through it, and when you raise your hand, the Lord is there holding it, and when you reach it out, He's there pulling you, and when you put your hands down so you can try to lift yourself up, but there's just no strength, He's right behind you. He's scooping you right up. And so when I meet people who've lost children, I always say the same thing. God is so good. Look how long you had your child yeah. fill in the blank. I want to know more about him. And, um, you know, sometimes, it, sometimes it, it, it's really good. And sometimes I can feel their pain and I think it's not time. They're not ready to hear how yeah. good God is. Yeah. And so we pray for them. But the death of a child is like nothing else. There's no name for it. There's no title for it. It's nothing else. Um, it's grief is like exile. Child grief is like exile. But like I said before, you know, and I borrowed this comment from someone else. Um, it has its shelf life. You're not there forever unless you want to be. We can control our feelings. And by control, I mean we can choose to give them to God. Yeah. Not that I can control all of the sadness. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we can choose to give those to the Lord. We can choose to honor the memory of our child by serving others. And I think that's what's important too, because you know, like it, it, just to go on that, like you can't control like smells, right? You, you'll, 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 you'll probably smell a smell and you think of her immediately and those emotions come in, but what you do with that is is what you can control, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you'll never be able to control 
what might overwhelm you or how that affects you, right? To that degree. Mm-hmm. But what you do with that is what you have. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and I in think your that's, po- that's in your power. You know, some parents, um, it's just so fresh every time. Um, it's an emotional ambush is what I call it. Um, and I took that from a book that I have, um, am reading. It's um, I should give credit to that. You know, let's give credit to the author. <laughs> but it's an emotional uh, ambush. And that was uh, Dr. Carol Peter Tinksley who said that. Because I don't want to be ambushed, because I don't want to have this outpouring of sadness or grief or anger or fill in the blank with whatever emotion, I might actively avoid certain things. Sure. I might actively avoid certain places. I might actively avoid um, certain people because I don't want the flood of emotion to come out. I don't want to feel that pain because I might be having a day where it's just numb enough that I'm enjoying my life. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want that numbness to be broken through by pain. And so it slows our healing and we have to go through that um, each one each parent at their own pace each parent at their own pace um i have worked hard this last year to um try to get myself to not do that because the first two years of angelina's passing I really just didn't, you know, want to be, <laughs> I just didn't want to be connected to anything. I don't want to be, quote, triggered by anything. But avoidance is not healing. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that, you know, and I think even Pastor Pat talked about that. You know, sometimes you, you really do have to embrace that pain. Um, some people want to run through grief. Some people want to avoid it altogether. Some people want to go around it. You know, we're all creative on how we can avoid not feeling um, bad things. Um but it doesn't have to be that way because Jesus will walk with us in the word. Mm -hmm. There are other Christians and maybe some parents don't have a support system. You know, if you know someone whose child has passed, but it's awkward, you know, people don't want to have that conversation. You know, I know they feel bad for us that our daughter has passed, but they don't want to engage because they also don't want to be emotionally ambushed. They don't want to feel, they don't want to come close to the feeling of what it could be like to be us. Sure. Um, And so, you know, for the believer, prayer, first and foremost, that draws us to the Lord. How do we know God? we got to get in his word. Um, And so for our family, you know, we started doing devotions every morning, the boys and I. We started doing family devotions, my husband and I talking and, and getting into God's word um, because we recognized very early on, like immediately through arguments and through family stresses, we recognized that this was so big that if we were going to not only survive it, which is what we were just barely doing, but actually live in it and through it, we really needed the power of the Holy Spirit. We really needed God to lead and to direct and to call a time out. You know, um, a lot of parents, uh, it's tough on a marriage to lose a child. It's mm-hmm. extremely tough. Um, and we're believers and it's hard. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I can only 
think that for those who don't have a relationship with the Lord or whose relationship with the Lord was um, new, maybe, or a little far apart when they lost their child, that um, it's the only way to live is through Christ with losing your child. So if someone's watching this and you know someone and, and your relationship is a little light, little Jesus light, we got to get into that word. Call Calvary Chapel. Call Bobby. Right? Hmm? Call Jeff. Steve. Steve. <laughs> it's all right. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, Jeff, Steve. <laughs> I mean, but you got to reach out. And some people say, you can't tell me what to do. I don't got to do anything. Listen. If you want to heal, if you want to start healing, if you want to even feel like you're healing and like you're not crazy and losing your mind um, because you're so racked with pain and sadness, then then Christ is the only way. Yeah. Jesus is 100% the only way that's going to happen um, because God is good and he will meet you. Man, I think so, that's sorry, Steve. I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. No, it's fine. Yeah, anybody can call me whatever they want. I know who I am. I'm sure his <laughs> wife is called him worse. Yeah, definitely she has. Um, so I want to say thank you. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us and sharing this with us. Um, I didn't know you until a couple of weeks ago, right? right? And, and being able to, uh, listen to what your family has gone through and um, your willingness to share that so that other people can hear it, I think is amazing. And um, it took me quite some time to be able to share my story about my dad and um, two totally different losses, but uh, it's hard and um, super thankful for it. And as with almost all of our podcasts, this could go on for I think it could too, you a know. long time. Yes. Okay, we can have multiple. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because I mean, here's the one big thing, right? Like we didn't solve the issue of, you know what I mean? And we didn't uh, pinpoint a way like this is a, the formula. It's not, because no. not. there's no formula to it. There is no yeah. formula there. There actually, you know, like you said, we didn't solve it because there's nothing to solve yeah. because pain and loss can only have healing. And healing can only come from that relationship with the Lord, from the trust that we put back into our relationship with God to understand that he loves us and that he's here to walk us through that grief. Um, and that it's okay to be sad as a Christian. You know, believers, don't buy into all that whole you're not supposed to be sad business. It's totally okay yeah, to be sad. Yeah, absolutely. God wants to hear you. And so, you know, if anything, it was just remember that you are loved. You are loved. Your child was loved. And I think also for, you know, I mean, and, and just even putting logic to it, like if anybody's lost a child, their hope is going to be, you know, I don't think any parent, even if they are like not a believer, is not going to say, well, they're just worm food. You know what I mean? They're, they're getting, there's this emptiness and their hope is going to be, I, I hope my child is in heaven. And if that's where you desire that your kid is, shouldn't you go to the one who is in control of heaven? The one that is the one that is responsible for that plate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So why would you go anywhere else? Like if you know, and that's the thing, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to have to do funerals for people. You know what I mean? But it's like, that's your, that's your, like, that's a common denominator. Everybody's going to pass through this life. 
at one time or another. And, and, and it is the most unnatural for a parent to have to bury their kid. But here's the thing, like we are all going to die one day, you know, and where do you want to go? And if we believe that there is a place and that place is heaven, that that's where our children go, that's where we go, how do we get there? And it's through Jesus. So if it's only through Jesus, if God is his father, he's our father, then who are you gonna go to? And I think for anybody that's that's listening, and you know, I can think of somebody just right now, my wife got a text message earlier this week, they're, um, they had to deliver uh, the stillborn baby. You know what I mean? And it's like, and even thinking like that, like what time did that parent get? You know, that parent's probably thinking like, I got no time with him. You got, you know, 20 years with your child. I got no time. You know what? But you did get something, you know what I mean? And God has given you a gift that you have. And, and knowing that, guess what? One day you too will face that day. And are you right with the Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, I think to that point, Lily, we appreciate you, you coming out. Um, Thank you for having me and putting me share our family's story so it's a story that continues because the journey of grief continues you know and we look to god to help us and like i said before some days you know it's looking good and some days it's a wreck (laughs) some days it's a wreck and we just call the lord we say we need you and he's there and he's there always if somebody wants to reach out to you do you want do you want to give them an availability through like Facebook or do you want them to reach out to us? Cause they can email us and we can always just yeah, forward it to you. Sure. Is absolutely. That, yeah. Sit down, have some coffee with someone. If someone's hurting, you know, you've lost your child or, you know, you're just, you're just angry or you want to talk. And, and here is, you know, putting forward the same blessing that someone gave to me, a, a dear friend of mine who is now a dear friend, but um, I only recently met her. She lost her son. She made herself available. Mm-hmm. And so nothing that I said or feelings or emotions that I expressed were a surprise to her. Yeah. And sometimes as parents who've lost our kids, we feel like no one gets it. And guess what? They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. And I don't want anybody to get it sure. <laughs> um, because it's terrible. But yes, totally available for that you know, divine appointment to pray with you and just listen to you and hear, hear your pain and know that, that you're loved. Sure, sure. Okay, so if, if you guys want to reach out, you can email us. Um, I, I, I don't want to give your Facebook out or whatever. <laughs> and that, you know, that's a whole other story. But you guys, if you guys do want to, you know, you can always email at ignitedfortitude at gmail.com and we'll forward it straight to, to Lily if there's anything you guys have for her. If um, I don't have anything. I don't have anything else. I'm super emotional. I, <laughs> I, know. I know. It's okay, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, forget it. You know, if you do more podcasts, I'll have a new name for you. Every single time. Every time you see him, it's going to be something different. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You're walking into church tonight. And she's going to be like, hi, hi, Sean. Yeah. And my wife's going to be like, why is she calling you Sean? <laughs> That's funny. On, oh, that, on that note, will you pray yes. us out? Yes. Yes, I will. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to thank you for the laughter that we can have, Lord, for the fellowship that you bless us with, Lord, for the grace and mercy you show us and give to us every single day that we are here. We thank you for the light that lives within us. We thank you for your word. You are the word, God, and and the word is you. We thank you for your son, whom you willingly gave to us. We thank you for every opportunity to share how good you are with others. And we thank you for this opportunity to share, Lord, 
what can be in the face of loss? What can happen when we give pain and grief to you that we can smile again and that laughter can happen again? We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to share your word. And I thank you as Angelina's mother for the time you did bless me with her. And I thank you for these young men here today and for the time we've had. I ask you to bless us all as we go through the course of this week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.